Welcome to the Influential Nonprofit, the show for nonprofit leaders to grow their influence so they can grow their income and impact. Now, here's your host, Marianne Dersh. All right, hello, and welcome to the Influential Nonprofit. As you know, it's me, it's Marianne. And today, this is the first day of summer. Well, we're recording this on the first day of summer, longest day of the year. Summer is the season of expression. It's of, you know, of, of the blooms and the growth. And I'm here with Cody Hayes. He is a marketing expert, and we're going to talk about email marketing and automating your email marketing. And also summer is a time for nonprofits for sometimes it slows a little bit in the summer. We can focus on cut more of our systems and back of the housework and how things are working for us. And I love email. And as everybody knows, I get really great email. So I'm excited to talk to you. Welcome, Cody. Thank you so much, Mary. And I'm really excited to be here and yeah. to talk to you, talk with you about email marketing. Okay, today. So before we get into that, let's answer my first question that I always ask, which is, tell me you're something you're proud of that you don't get to brag about a lot. Ooh, that's a fantastic question. And I think, um, honestly, it's more of a personal side of piece of uh, info. I have two cats and we just got a kitten and about four or five months ago. And so the adjustment of bringing a, a kitten in to live with a senior cat, ooh, that was a little tough. Um, but <laughs> earlier today, earlier this morning, and they were chasing each other up and down the stairs, like they're starting to become friends and cuddle. And so I'm like, finally, some good news coming out of the cat <laughs> world. And so I'm very proud of my girls for um, being on their best behavior with each other. That's awesome. You know, maybe give the senior one a little life. <laughs> yes, exactly. She was she was being chased down the stairs. So. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, so be, um, I want to get into the email marketing. And before we do that, just tell me a little bit about your company and, you know, how you got started, what your experience is. Absolutely. So a quick handy recap of what I do and who for. So I, I work in nonprofit marketing and I'm really most known for helping nonprofits maximize their marketing and streamline their time. So the folks that typically I work with are and nonprofit fundraisers, founders, executive directors, development directors, really anybody who is feeling like this sense of struggle around being too overworked, too overwhelmed, and, and just having the chaos that comes with marketing and development and everything else that you're doing at a, a nonprofit. And so one of the most valuable solutions that I offer for that is called the Maximize Marketing Intensive. And that's an experience where in one week we create the assets to uh, streamline their marketing and streamline their time, ultimately freeing them to increase impact without losing their mind. So I've been in this industry for coming up on eight years now and uh, got my start at working at a university doing social media for um, uh, the Northern Arizona University and actually was able to um, get us up to the number one university in social media engagement, um, which was pretty cool. And that kind of gave me a, t a test of how do we create content that engages with folks and uh, um, is able to actually influence behavior change within individuals. And so been able to take that and uh, translate it into the work that I do with nonprofits. And uh, whereas the university had a massive following, getting 
being able to being able to test those theories and those strategies on a larger model, and then now being able to take it over to these grassroots organizations that have you know five hundred followers on Instagram, but still that same passion and same yeah. that same sense of like motivation, and has been very very beneficial as I've uh, grown and progressed throughout this uh, career. That's awesome, and they have the same need to maintain a pipeline, right? Like whether the pipeline is big or small, it's pipeline. And what I see, Cody, is that in your, because you're talking about there's marketing, there's development, there's programs, and the marketing goes to the bottom of the priority list, right? Oh, because we need the money, blah, blah, blah. And then we forget the marketing. And we're like, wait, where are we going to, wait, we need new people. Where are we getting these people from? We ignore the top of like what I call the donor pipeline, which is where I would put the marketing efforts, right? At the generating yep. awareness and interest, inviting people in. Oh, wait, where there's no new people. Wait, because we haven't, you know, and so then we do bursts of energy, right? Like, okay. We'll get a bunch out and then we get busy and then, and then we like do a bunch and then we get, and then we get distracted by something else. And, and what I want to talk about with you, because automation is key because consistency is key, right? Delivering content, engaging consistently. If we're not doing that in marketing, it's going, it it makes it challenging, I would say, to break through and connect with people. I agree. I agree, especially because a lot of conversions aren't happening on social and they're happening more in the inbox. So we think about our fundraising campaigns or think about the last fundraising campaign. If you're listening that you ran, did most of your donations come from your social posts or did they come from the emails that you sent? I'm going to go out on a um, very strong limb here and say that it probably was email. Um, And so as we're looking through you know, that pipeline is important. How do we get folks from social over to email? And then how do we convert them from email to donor or volunteer or what have you? Exactly. And so, it, yes, exactly. So being able to, and what I'm excited to talk to you about today is how can we make that process that's the this, this specific piece of email within this larger process easier for organizations? Yes. So I look at it like energy, right? Like er- everything's energy. So I'm stirring up all this energy on social media and like, great, but I want to harness that energy and like bring it into an email list, right? And then, and then harness that energy and like connect with, right? So that I'm moving, I'm taking all this energy and I'm pulling it down into, right, into an organization and I'm pulling it down, right? And instead of, like, oh, stirring us up. But also, I, I want to say that I say this a lot, you know, and I want to share this with you. You know, our job is to get people off social media and onto our email list, right? Because that's reliable reach that's in our orbit. And so I, I would love to talk with you about, you know, how you work with people and what system that folks put in place, because I love what you said. If you want to increase impact when it's, and keep, what did you say? And not lose your mind, right? So how can you rebuild systems so this is happening for us? And then, right? And then that, because ideally that's what we want, right? Like we want a system where this is just happening I call it, we um, systematize to stabilize. So when we build these systems, now we're, right, we're, we're creating, we're creating, you know, we're creating stability, right? Because we have people constantly filing into the funnel. So, so, so I'd love to, you know, share like how, what are the ways you can do that? Yeah, I think one of the most stable email tactics that I use is automating these workflows. So you know how in MailChimp, 
or in whatever service you use, you can send off a one-off email. And that's how a lot of nonprofits will spend their time. To be honest, I've had organizations say, oh, I didn't know that we could send these automatically or send one after the other. And so I want to talk to y'all specifically about the automation portion of workflows and of emails. So the difference between a one-off email and a workflow is that, surprise, a workflow has more than one email in it. That makes it a process, a workflow. And so these emails can be triggered by certain events. So like if X happens, like if a person makes a donation on your website, then we trigger Y. So if X, then Y. So if someone makes a donation, then send them a thank you message via email. So we can think of these points as um, just like trigger and action. Another example is when someone signs up for your email list, start the welcome sequence. And so if we think about it through just these simple actions, that kind of gives us the, the starting point. But the true power is being able to set and forget these emails that you're sending. And I don't mean like forget that they even exist, but kind of. And because once we have our solid email workflow or our, our email welcome sequence or an event welcome, event sequence, whatever sequence it you may choose, we can set that up so it sends out emails on a drip campaign. So every week or every two weeks or every month, whatever your cadence is. And I've found, especially with folks who have forgotten to send their newsletter or don't have a email welcome sequence or someone signs up for their email list and then they just never hear from them until it's time to make another donation. Setting up these email workflows for things like your welcome sequence, a donor follow-up sequence, even like if you have an upcoming event, running a camp set of emails and uh, to promote that event. And uh, all of these things can be set up once and triggered as people join. So with your welcome sequence, if I sign up today, that email flow of you know, five or six different emails is going to start today. Right. If you sign up next week, it's going to start next week for you. That means as the marketer, we don't have to be keeping track of 500, 1,000, 10,000 different individuals and a journey on this, like you were talking about earlier. The robots are going to do it for us and kind of prompt them into bumping into that next phase of the funnel. So I'm wondering, you know, if you sign up for an email, how many people have a welcome sequence? I don't think they do. I think like, hey, thanks for joining our list. And I ideally, and, and I want to clarify this for a little bit, I would sign up and then I would get a welcome and then I'd get maybe two more emails. And then after that email, then I get like, like move to the list, right? So, hey, welcome. And I, I get... I get a one, thanks for joining, and like two, da, da, da. whatever they say, they're, you know, they're three different messages. And then, then they get automatically moved to list. And I'm a big, I am a big proponent of, you know, for one a week. And the reason is because if somebody would sign up, let's say, you know, it's, it's the end of June, right? And, and you, you know what I mean? And you, somebody signs up and they, and you just sent yours out. Like you, if, if you're doing it monthly, they might not hear from you for weeks after you sign up and in this, that, but that nurture sequence is so important. And so, because what we're doing is inviting people into a community, right? We're like, right. My friend Amy Fazio says people come for the cause, they stay for the community. So we're inviting people into a community. That's what that nurture sequence is for. It's not so like, 
hey, welcome to our email list. It's like, welcome to our community. Right? And the other thing I want to talk about that I just don't understand why people don't do more of this, our lead magnet, right? The pop-up window on your thing that says, hey, download this guide for this or, you know, or any very simple little tool to entice people to, you know, it, because it's like, oh, get our emails, like sexy, you know, I, I mean, they're just a nobody email. wants your newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they love to have a, you know, a guide towards something or 10 ways to do this or something like that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the most important piece to remember is to bring value into this email, into this email workflow. So if we're thinking about it in phases, you know, you mentioned that you love to um, put people into a email welcome sequence. I do too. And I like to go even a step further and say, let's make an evergreen nurture sequence. So after they finish that welcome sequence that's automated, let's just trigger them into that evergreen nurture sequence, which goes into a little bit deeper of like, what is your mission? It shares some success stories about your um, programming or something that is time, it isn't time bound, like the impact is still relevant. And, and then how can we also address some objections that your ideal donors may have? Like what's, what's kind of in the top of their front of their mind as they are getting involved with your organization? Are there any paradigm shifts that we need to help them overcome? And, and so I always like to say, yep, let's have that welcome sequence go for like the first month. That's three or four emails, right? And then let's shift them into this longer nurture sequence that is in the, essentially, if you don't do your newsletter or if you don't have your um, ask campaigns coming, guess what? They're still going to hear from you They're in between gonna... those. Oh, okay, I get it. So there's the welcome sequence. Then that triggers a nurture sequence. Then you have them for, right? So you're, and that's all automated. That's done. So whether, you know, your email, you know, you're, you know, you miss a month or whatever, they're still getting attention. And it's, exactly. and then that's just done. And then, right. And they're, and they're good. Exactly. Exactly. It's like the first three months. They're getting used to you, getting to know you. And then that gives you or the development person or your team a chance to breathe, to do some research on these individuals, to see what their behavior is like on social and on email. So that way, when it does come time to making that one-on-one -on -one introduction or um, sending a one-on-one -on -one outreach, they have data and can use that when making those conversations or when having those conversations. All right. At the risk of getting too weedy, I'm going to say this because I think it's important. Like sometimes I, I act a campaign, MailChimp or whatever, they don't always talk to the donor database. Sorry, my client right now, they use like Donor Perfect or something and they manage yep. and they manually have to send the emails to, so, right? So, so marketing has to send the emails to develop it and they do it every month. And I'm like, you know, because I, which is great. There, there, there is a conscious awareness that we need to exchange the data, right? And, you know, and and then and then also development can collect emails, right? And then it, it all. I'm just saying, there's often parallel systems from the email list to the fundraising list, which kind of like boggles my mind a little bit because we're all anyway. So, <laughs> right. And so they'll send like, like, so the development has to send the emails over to marketing 
for their list. And, and there could be people who are listening right now and realizing, hey, wait, we don't we don't do that. And so I just I think it's important that everyone because the email, that's where you keep people warm. Right. And we talk about where the new donors are going to come from. They're going to come from your email list. That's where you that's where you build your community. And and I'm and I it get I'm getting frustrated. I get frustrated because people really don't pay attention to their email list. They get all excited about the, yes, likes and follows all those are great. But what I want is to build my own garden, right? I want to create my own community of reliable reach and really nurturing those people. So what I see is people like sacrificing their email because they want it to do social. Right. And so, but what I'm hearing you say is like, hey, we can do both if we are smart and how we automate. And also, it's just sometimes if a development, let's say a development gets it, has an event, right? And now they're putting, so they may already know you, right? So they're me. And I guess maybe there's a different sequence for them or something. I mean, I guess we'd have to set up something different depending on where the email comes from. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the power of using this automation for that, right? So if we can guide people through these small chunks or phases and whether that's like, hey, here's the welcome sequence, which gives an overview of the organization. Here's a nurture sequence, which is trying to get you to know us and us to know you and figure out what our shared values are and share stories of success. That's fantastic. Once they get into that piece, that's when they kind of split off. Like you were saying, some may become donors. Some may want to go volunteer. Some may um, uh, want to um, watch a training or do something with you. Some may also cross-pollinate. And so that's the perfect opportunity after that nurture sequence where I say, now let's break and segment your list. So that's where if we need to write a campaign or a sequence that is specific to fundraising, well, maybe we're not going to send an email to asking for money to people who haven't completed the welcome and nurture sequence yet because they're not ready psychologically. It's like going up to somebody at the grocery store and being like, hey, I actually own a uh, farm down the road where you can get these um, eggs for um, $5 instead of three. Do you want more work? You want to drive there and pay more? Cool. And <laughs> whereas um, allowing folks to kind of go through this process, we know, okay, by the time that they're done with this nurture sequence, ideally, they're ready for an ask. And so we can put them into an ask for fundraising or an ask for volunteers or an ask for um, program participation or testimonials, things like that. But I always recommend we start with a welcome sequence that everyone goes through and then a, a lighter nurture sequence that everyone goes through. And that's when we start to separate and go and um, niche into smaller audiences that has more tailored messaging specifically to them. All right. And um, I want to say this, if this is sounding overwhelming, I just, you only have to do this one time. That is the beauty. I mean, I have lead magnets. I, you know, when you sign up for that, you get this nurture thing from me. And I set it up like two years ago, you know, <laughs> and it just works for me. And then, you know, you download the stuff and then you're on my email list. I also do things like, and I think this is important too, is automate a little bit about how people can get to the list. So like if you book this, so this isn't me. So I, I, I would love for you to yeah. share maybe some examples. If you book a time with me, 
I feel like that's a reasonable expectation that you would get go to my email list, right? If you book a time to meet with me and I'll put you that part of that is and so I have a, a zap set up with my calendly and like so that I because what I was I was doing is I was not remembering to put people when I was losing people. And I think that's what happens. Like we just we don't mean to, but we lose track of people. You know, I'm not like I'm as you can probably tell from how this podcast, like you guys, we you know, like, hey, let's make this up. Like I'm really good in the moment. So systems, you know, like uh and in that moment, if I don't capture it right away, I may lose it. And so a lot of these systems can help you as it like capture that energy and bring it in. So how are there other ways that we can like capture email or bring people into the organization like that? That's what's yeah. automated. Yeah. I mean, that goes back to the question you asked a little bit earlier. It's like the communication between programming team and fundraising and marketing and all of this. And so Zapier truly is like my go-to answer because for folks who don't know, Zapier is a tool that connects other tools together. So you can take, it can take information from your Google spreadsheet and put it into a Google Doc or send an email um, based on the information from that spreadsheet. And so there's a few ways that I do this for me and a few ways I do this for nonprofits. And so I'll start with um, nonprofits first and we'll do a automation for whatever the CRM is to make sure like if they're using GiveButter or Classy or something like that. Every time a new contact is added there, we set up an automation so that it's also added to MailChimp or also added to whatever email um, provider they're using. And we'll go a step further to say, yes, not only added, but they're also starting that welcome sequence. And then and the same with like volunteers, things like that. Another way that we can also do these is based on goes back to triggering based on an action. So if we know that we always run um, a ticket we all, for our event, we always run tickets to the same platform like GiveButter. I'll use GiveButter as an example. And uh, we know that the best time to ask somebody to become a monthly donor is after they attend an event. And so what if, and this is a something that I haven't tried, but I thought about it right in this moment. So what if there was an automation that every time a ticket was purchased from GiveBetter, we wait until the day after that event, or we wait three weeks, however long, and then we trigger the, the um, automated workflow asking for folks to become a monthly donor. That way, we set something up like that in the event that you have following someone is going through and doing, getting emails about becoming a monthly donor. We've done this post-event, which is why I know that that strategy works. The automation piece is where I'm like, ah, we need to, to implement that. Because imagine if every single time someone um, signed up for an event and attended it, you didn't even have to make the ask because a robot was making ask for you. Right. You've already put in that one-on-one -on -one time with them on the screen, having that conversation with them. And allowing them to show up and just get energized by that event. And now because you set up a workflow, you know, last month, a year ago, two years ago, they're going to continue to get nurtured and step closer down that funnel or down that uh, pathway that you were talking about earlier. I think that's really, really important. And this is why is because events are very time consuming, right? And it's all about getting to that finish line get it, get event, okay, woo, and then we go, ha, ah. and then I go, yeah. oh, right, you have to thank these people, 
And so again, remember I, I talk I talk in energy, all that energy that we stir up and it just floats away. So how can we harness all that energy? And what I'm hearing you is saying, okay, like as we're setting up for the event in the early stages of planning, I can already set up a post event. Thank you for coming, blah, blah, blah. And then all I have to do is maybe the day after the event is update those. We might like go in and like update. I'm just saying like update emails with specific event related content or a photo or something. And then boom, it's gone. And now I'm talking with them for months after the event with really have not having to do anything because again, it's the, it's the like, I'm getting, stirring up all this excitement and it's, oh, that was lovely. And then they go home and, you know, and you, here's the thing. <laughs> what my friend taught me once, speed sells, right? Like, like it, so it's like, because they're hot, they're feeling good, right? And the farther away that you get, the cooler they they become. And now, you know, I'm the one that's, I'm pretty zen about this stuff. And also I know that, you know, when that energy is the highest, that's when you want to connect with them. And so thinking about setting that up, not like months before, you're like in the early stages of planning, setting all that up so that all you have to do is drop in some event-specific content and boom, you're done. And now, right, you're doing, a, and then and then after that, maybe you're like, like you're doing a three email, you know, um, sequence. And then after that, now they move to a monthly giving campaign, right? Like a street, maybe a free email sequence about the event and what we accomplished and da da da. And and then now you move and you've done nothing. I mean, it's just all happening, right? It's just all happening. That's the gorgeous part of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And the, the thing about doing it this way is that it also gives you a chance to track your analytics because you always have people entering those workflows which means you can come in at the six month mark and make some adjustments based on analytics. So usually what we'll do if we're building out a workflow like this is every six months or every year, go through and say, okay, what's our open rates for these emails? If something has too low of an open rate, we can make that change. And the nice thing about it is it's going to go out to everybody who hasn't hit that certain certain point yet, they'll get that email with the updated subject line. So ideally, as we are putting more people through these workflows, we're also optimizing them so that the effectiveness of our campaigns improve over time. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Because you have the data right there to tell you what's working and what's not. You know, I, I so I, I've been doing this for 30 years, okay? And we, I came from the pray and spray, or what we call it, the, the spray and pray, right? Like you just mail stuff out. You don't know who's looking at it. You know who's opening that envelope unless they send it back, right? And and so now we have we have so much information to be able to really see what, what people want and, and cater to that. I want to bring up something and get your reaction to it because... As we were talking, I was thinking, I know a lot of nonprofits where development and communications, they're a little siloed, right? Because the, what we're talking about, how is is a very um, an integral, I want to say, connected sense of, of um, communications, you know, or marketing department and the development, you know, mission advancement fundraising that we work together and we talk to each other. And in, I've seen this where, hey, we just do our marketing and then, hey, we do our, 
But you can see how it's so important because most of the email is done through the marketing. And yet how important it is to like for donor retention, right? For, you know, like, so let's say we have a marketing department, an event department, and a, you know, and a, a major gift. And if they're that really cohesive and right, using these systems together, they tend to silo. And then, and then we, that's when we lose people. And so what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is like, wow, because we're really maximizing everything, right? Our CRM, our, you know, our, our mailer, or if could be the same thing. And if it's not like, we're mad and, and, and very, a lot of communication and interconnectedness across these different things. And some people may not have that. And some people may, and I, but uh, sometimes I see where they're not, they're, they're a little bit siloed. I agree. I see that. And uh, especially where they're, for some reason it happens with smaller teams, smaller teams in my experience have, uh, they just, team members are usually so or responsible for so much in smaller teams that the they never really get the chance to innovate because it's always like oh we have to do this we have to do this i'm behind on this and so i think allowing our and then where was i going (laughs) (laughs) um and so what is we were talking about teams and the small teams are the ones that that community have struggled to communicate and and so I think in smaller teams, it's harder, right? Because we are, we have so much responsibility, but where I see organizations thrive and where I see kind of that turning point where the organization goes, I'll give a, a concrete example for this. And I was working with an organization that when I came in, we, they were at like, had just, it was the first year hitting a million. And their goal was to get to two and a half million by 2025. And surprise, we did it this year. And, uh, and so the, but one of the pieces that we found is that, so they have a, a science and research team. They have a community engagement team that is doing more of the community outreach events. And then they have the communications and marketing team. Well, we found that if um, our best audience for submitting action alerts past volunteers and our best um, uh, goal for our best way to recruit volunteers, past donors. And, and so we can see these patterns and say, oh, wow, we actually do need to cross communicate to people because folks care more about just this one silo of our work they actually are caring about multiple and as if we as we identify these patterns we actually realize going back to that pathway that you talked about earlier like you can map it out of where someone starts on social to where they end as a major gift and yeah. that transformation it may take 10 years yes but i can guarantee you it's it's there and, and one of the things that I found with working with this organization and coming in to relieve that marketing from them, because they're a Devo team, really, and is that what I pick up on social, like, oh, wow, this person just went through a liking spree of our Instagram posts, or this person has actually commented on like the last five posts. All of these are little indicators to development that, hey, you should probably pick up the phone and talk to that person. It's like, this person is expressing a lot of social interest. So I'm saying, oh, the analytics are saying they want to talk to you. Yes. And call them up. Or if you send out an email and somebody like responds back and says, oh, thank you, this, da, da, da. 
then right oh hey and basically the development team that you might want to follow up and that kind of like because i understand that i'm a part of a pipeline right and i'm not a silo i'm a pipeline and i want to funnel that that down i think it's it and you're right it's really beautiful when you see it right when you see like the completion of the journey you know it's a great thing all right i want to talk about a little bit before we finish about how you work with clients and what your programs look like and how do people work with you Good question. Good question. And so at Marketing Mission, we help nonprofits maximize their marketing and streamline their time. And this is typically through providing the services, education and resources to help them grow faster. And so usually we come together for a one week period and we do what's called the Maximize Marketing Intensive. So essentially, this is just a one week service where we come together and we work with the organization specifically to develop this marketing toolkit. And so that toolkit um, varies for each individual based on, or each organization based on the need. So for example, if you've never had a marketing strategy before, you best believe the first thing that we're going to do is build that marketing strategy. So that way, everything else that you do is through strategy. But if you are further down the line and you have your strategy, you have email, you've been doing social, one of the things that we may work on is a specific campaign. So how can we increase, how can we brand your monthly giving program and then create all of the social and email templates and set them up in an automated way? That way we can optimize, you know, what are our check-ins? So really it's a one week deep dive into your specific goals, your audience, your current marketing efforts. And then we are developing this personalized plan and this personalized toolkit with folks and giving them the assets that they need to actually execute on it. And so you're doing that in a week. Yes, we do that in a week because it kind of goes back to, have you ever heard of the Pareto principle? No. Pareto principle is the idea that um, a task can take up as much time as it is given. So oh, yeah, given... I call it. So I understand that as Parkinson's law, Parkinson's law. Did I get right? the wrong one? Yeah, yes, yes. Work work expands or contracts the time allotted, right? If you give yes. it two hours, it takes two hours. If you give it two weeks, it takes two weeks. And it was originally the study of bureaucracy, like why would things take so long? Because they gave pe- people gave them a long time to get it done, right? So if you, hey, we have a week, we're going to do it in a week. Guess what? You do it in a week. Exactly. So that's the model that we take into um, into our work together and say, you know, we could do this over three months, but it would probably make all of us pretty exhausted. So why don't we come together for a week and really just focus in on this particular campaign or this particular challenge and knock it out in a week. That way you have everything that you need just to implement rather than spending months. Yeah, exactly. I just, I love that so much. That's a, a model that I use as well. And it's really a done with you instead of done for you, which I think also serves a client better. And I not, I mean, I did, you know, I used a different model in the past, more of a, hey, we'll go and figure this out and come back to you. And now it's sort of like sitting together. And I feel like when the done with you model, people have more ownership and excitement over the outcomes because it wasn't like, oh, here, go solve this. Like we are solving it together. And I always believe the magic's in the room, right? Like we have everything we need in this room to create whatever we need. And, and that's, you know, and it's never, the magic has, has never failed me. It's all, right? 
the idea, you know, the right, the ideas, the inspiration, the direction, it's it it's in you. This you and I, like we we just know how to break it out. And that's that's the beauty of it. All right. So a couple more things that I want to wrap it up. So let's talk about how do people get in touch with you? Perfect. People can get in touch with me by heading over to marketingmission.org. And we are I'm also on Instagram and LinkedIn. And Instagram is Marketing Mission Org and LinkedIn is my name, Cody Hayes. And H A Y S. And and also last question is I love karaoke. It is a <laughs> part of part of my life. So uh, if we were ever at karaoke together, you know, what's what's your go-to song? What are you going to sing? Go-to song, girl. I have a go-to playlist. <laughs> oh, my God. I do, too. I have a note on my phone of all my songs. Yeah. You and I were meant to be. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. I love it. Okay. I'm so like, what are you singing? Like, oh, here's all the ones. You're like, either, I either, either categories. They have categories. Like oldies, okay. loose dumb. <laughs> I dig it. Um, I have really been into <laughs> Don't I Make It Look Easy by Megan Trainer. <laughs> I love it that is. one. <laughs> yes, me too. It's the good <laughs> pump up, good pump up song. It's also on my um, uh, my uh, speaking playlist. So I definitely, okay. it's top of mind because I listened to it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I, so I used to say with this, like her name was Mary Oki. She was, she was the person we followed for years and years. Wherever she did karaoke, we went wherever Mary Oki was. She retired a few years ago. She had these three by five cards that are named out that. I've been singing with her since she would lug CDs, you know, into cases of CDs. And we would go through books of CDs. Now it's all, you know, digital and it's all lists and everything. I, she had three by five cards with our names on them and all the songs we sang. So when she came in, she'd pull your card and then she'd pick a song. And I know. So, but then after she retired, I'm like, what do I sing again? Like, cause I can't remember because I never had to remember because Mary yeah. put it on the card. And then, and then her regulars when she'd pull your card and then she could kind of time and pace the evening, right? Um, you know what I mean? So you didn't know what to say. Oh, you're so going to do this cute. one. You're like, okay, whatever. I know. I'm this. Uh, yeah, yeah. She was an amazing uh, karaoke DJ. Um, I didn't take crap from anybody. <laughs> so I put that list on my phone. So I, and now people don't even really have books, right? They're like, hey, we have anything whenever you want. So that, you know. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I've been doing Dua Lipa levitating. I like that one yeah. a lot. Me too. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, all right, Cody. Well, obviously, we need a karaoke dates sometime in the future. <laughs> Thank you Absolutely. so much for being on the influential nonprofit. His contact info will also be in the show notes for this. And uh, so you can, if you want to get a hold of him or find him on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for sharing everything. And now, everybody go automate, automate and relax. Just let it all happen for you. We'll see you next time on the influential nonprofit. Thanks for listening to The Influential Nonprofit with your host, Mary Ann Dirsch. If you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about the podcast. Also, check out theinfluentialnonprofit.com for more resources on growing your influence so you can raise more and do more.